0: Your
1: daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. And before we get into things today, I want to let you guys know that this episode is sponsored by Pepsi. This football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for the game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Go to madeforfootballwatchers.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And on Sunday, we will be watching the Houston Texans square off against the Tennessee Titans, which means today I will be joined by Mr. Tyler Rowland, host of Locked On Texans, as Tyler and myself preview Sunday matchup against both franchises however before we get into that I do want to give you guys some news and notes about the Houston Texans from yesterday mainly revolving around their injury report now Jordan Aikens is still listed with a concussion and he's dealing with an ankle injury Dylan Cole is dealing with a knee injury and Buddy Howell is dealing with a hamstring injury however the one guy on this list that I am a little bit concerned about is Laramie Tunsil this is the second week in a row that Tunsil has appeared on the Texans injury report and he's dealing with a shoulder injury. Now, I don't want to make anybody panic about this. His shoulder injury is nowhere near severe as the one Bernardic McKinney has been dealing with to the point that he has been ruled out for the remainder of the season. However, going up against the Tennessee Titans, especially with Jadavion Clowney on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and I know so damn well he's going to try to make a statement against his former team, The Texans offensive line needs to make sure that they are at their tier top best playing against Tennessee. And it's a little bit concerning knowing that we're going into this game With Laramie Tunsil, the head of your offensive line, a little bit wounded. And I know that's something a guy like Jadeveon Clowney is going to try to exploit in his favor. At the end of the day, I do not think this shoulder injury is something that's going to keep Laramie Tunsil out for Sunday's game. However, I do believe it may hinder his performance just a little bit. Now, as you may recall, during Sunday's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Deshaun Watson did get sacked one time. That single sack did come from the left side of the offensive line. J.J. Watt was also listed on the injury report as a guy who did not practice, but it was just a rest day. (laughs) I just wanted to throw that out there. There's nothing wrong with J.J. Watt. He's 100 percent healthy and he's ready to go against the Tennessee Titans. But ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned today, I will be joined by Tyler Rowland, host of Locked On Titans, as we preview and break down the game between the Texans and Titans on Sunday. Thanks to the lack of natural athleticism or commitment, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they will join another league, the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. We are here for a crossover
0: Thursday conversation. I am the host of Locked on Titans, Tyler Rowland, here with Cody Davis, host of the Locked on Texans and two division rivals looking to square off this week. The Titans coming off of a short week. The Texans coming off of their first win of the season. So the 4-0 Titans against the 1-4 Texans. And uh, Cody, I got a few questions for you, of course, here uh, about the season. And I know that things haven't been been going perfect for the Texans Uh, a rough start but there's a little bit of hope now with the firing of Bill O'Brien earlier uh, last week and I just wanted to ask you to start things off with kind of a blank canvas how do you feel about the future of the organization not just the rest of this season but outside the rest of this season and what's your I guess hope meter at you know one to ten or how are you feeling about things going forward now with Bill O'Brien out of the picture? (laughs)
2: Well, um, first and foremost, let me just say this. I hope I don't sound mean, but joyous, you know, it's nothing but pure joy down here in the city of Houston. When you talk about the organization, when you look at the from a fan standpoint, we look at it from a reporter standpoint, it's just nothing but pure joy. And if you don't believe me, the level of joyness that's down here in Houston, all you have to do is go on social media and count the number of times you will see a Texan player tweet about how much fun and happiness that they are having. But of course, you know, with the departure of Bill O'Brien, the number one topic when discussing the Texans is who's going to be the next head coach and who's going to be the next general manager. And it's easy to understand why. However, a lot of people, including myself and the organization as a whole, We are not looking towards the future of the next head coach and the next general manager right now because we still have a season to salvage. And I know the Texans in general, that's not their number one focus as well. Their number one focus is to try to salvage this season because they still believe they have some talent on this roster. They believe in Romeo Cannell as the interim head coach, you know, given the fact that he's been around the game since what the 1970s, 1980s Hawaii. brings in a ton of experience and he is the guy that has the keys to this franchise as of now. And of course you have a quarterback in Deshaun Watson, as long as you have Watson out there on the field, anything is possible. So you know, after an 0 and 4 start, and they are committed to turning their season around and possibly get back into playoff contention, um, just taking it game by game. So a week after firing Bill O'Brien, picking up their first win of the season, the the fan base, the organization, me as a fan and and, and a reporter, everybody's just in a positive state of mind. And I think that's something that's really going to carry this team over as they head into as they continue the twenty twenty season.
0: Yeah. Well, I think uh, one way or another, either you're going to sell hope or you're going to sell winning. So right now the Texans have the opportunity to kind of sell both at the same time. One thing I do want to point out is if the Texans do find a way to beat their division rival Tennessee Titans, well then they're two and four and that's exactly where the Titans were sitting last year before they made their run. So not that I'm looking for the Texans to make that kind of run, but just saying, you know, (laughs) it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but one of the Reasons that would carry you to a run like that would obviously, like you mentioned, be your superstar quarterback, Deshaun Watson. And as I understand it, he hasn't been quite himself throughout the beginning of the year. He's been good. It's not like he's played poorly, but not quite himself. And obviously, there's a lot of pressure on him right now. What do you think it is that's holding the Texans' offense back early on in the season? Obviously, they scored better in recent weeks. But what do you think has been the the primary blame for the struggle on offense? Is it Watson maybe not playing his best or the loss of – DeAndre Hopkins, maybe been a little bit more damaging or just as damaging as you expected. And then the offensive line as well. So, how do you kind of divvy out blame for the Texans' offense in the first five weeks of the season?
2: Well, Tyler, it's actually a variety of reasons. And I think it stems more from having a short offseason because the Texans made so many changes to their roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And Deshaun Watson himself, I'm going to try to base this around Watson himself because he is our core of the offense. He has struggled at times in this new Texans offense because he has not had the right amount of time to get acquainted with his new teammates. And it has shown through the first five games of the season. And of course, the biggest reason and the biggest factor of the Texans struggles on the offensive side of the ball especially when you look at Deshaun Watson is the fact that he is still trying to cope with the loss of DeAndre Hopkins you know when you talk about DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson and the Texans in general not only did you take away his number one target you took away his number one receiver but more more, more so than anything you took away the guy that he had the most chemistry with and I think chemistry has been the main reason why the Texans offense have struggled so much through these first five games well I'm gonna say the first four games because it looked really good against Jacksonville that is the main reason why the Texans offense has looked kind of bad through those first four games and then when you take a look at Deshaun Watson like I mentioned you take you took away his top tier receiver and you replaced them with guys like Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb and then you was asking Will Fuller to take more of a load this season the problem with that is none of those guys are DeAndre Hopkins and when he got into a situation where the offensive line is collapsing around him and he has to get rid of the ball quickly, Watson no longer has that security blanket where he can make something out of nothing um, because he does not have that player where he knows from the back of his mind, okay, we're running this play, so I know Hopkins is going to be over here, so I know how hard to throw it. Do I need to float it? Do do I need to put just a little bit more sting on my passes? He no longer has that, and we saw a lot of confusion through those first four games of the regular season, and I think that is the main reason why the Texans have had such a slow start to their offense. However, on the flip side of things, Watson and his receivers and the offense as a whole, especially with Brandon Cooks, they did look a hell of a lot better in the game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It seemed like they had finally found they strived. They finally found that chemistry. However, on the flip side of that, that was only against Jacksonville. And we're yep. talking about a team who is a yep. little bit worse than the Texans at this point. And that's I why I think Sunday's game against the Tennessee Titans is going to tell a lot whether – where the Houston Texans stand as not only from a chemistry standpoint, but even following what would it be two weeks after the firing of Bill Mm O'Brien? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's a great segue into my next question. And if the Texans are going to beat the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, what do you think that looks like from, from their offensive side of the ball?
2: It starts by the guy I just finished talking about, Deshaun Watson. In order for us to beat Tennessee, you're going to have to trust your franchise quarterback. You're going to have to put the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands and let him cook. Why? Because at this point in the, in the season, nobody, including myself, we are not a believer in the Texans run game. I mean, David Johnson, he's trying, but when you run the ball 13, 14 times and you're averaging three and a half yards per attempt, it. The Texans really do not have a run game this year. Mm-hmm. And 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 I and I find that really disappointing because, you know, when you think about the Texans over the past decade or so from um, Aaron Foster, Alfred Blue, Lamar Miller, um, even the dynamic duo we had between Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, mm-hmm. you know, we always had at least a solid run game. Of course, with Aaron Foster, we had a tremendous run game. Absolutely. But it's like now – That run game being taken out has really hurt the Texans as well. And you're going to just have to put the ball into Sean Watson's hands and try to let him beat the Titans through the air with his receivers. Now, as I mentioned, it seems like him and Brandon Cooks were able to find that mojo, was able to find that chemistry on Sunday against Jacksonville. But like I keep saying on this whole entire week, that was against the Jaguars. We're not talking about the Jaguars who was once known as Saxonville.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great point, and the Titans will be a good test for uh, how much the Texans have improved since the firing of Bill O'Brien, or how much that chemistry maybe has improved after the beginning of the season. Moving on to the defensive side of the ball, the Texans are obviously struggling much more on defense than they are on offense, and I would say that's probably the primary reason they're in the spot that they're in right now, and it seems like they're getting some decent sack numbers, but they're also probably, you know, being down, they're you know, trying to make plays as best as possible, but they're really struggling in run defense. So what is it about that defensive line that seems to be able to get to the quarterback in the passing game, but can't seem to hold up in the running game right now. And and with that in mind, knowing about the struggles in the run game, what do you think they try to do against the Titans to, to try to get out of there with a victory on defense?
2: Um, To be honest with you, Tyler, and I know you might look at me a little bit crazy when I say this, but the label of them having the least worst run defense is a little bit unfair. Okay. And I, I say that because in order for you to fully understand the Texans' run defense this year, you're going to have to go a little bit more in depth mm-hmm. into what, other than what the final stats are showing. Yeah, take us now, there. Now, look, look, listen, listen. And I know, I know what I just say. You know, people are looking like, wait, what the hell is he talking about? But I'm, I'm about to explain it to you. Um sure. Other than the first game of the regular season where you had Clyde edwards lair looking like the second coming of Barry Sanders or, or, or Jim Brown or, you know, one of the greatest running backs of all time, the Texans actually did a really good job at holding their own against the run. And we're talking about a team who has already played against Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, James Conner, and even Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. However... In the two games where they gave up the most rushing yards, I believe between in the in the two games between the Ravens and the Steelers, they gave up nearly 400 rushing yards. I think the total came out to like 390, somewhere along those lines. On the flip side of that, they did really good at stopping the run up until the fourth quarter. In fact, through the first three quarters of those two games between the Ravens and the Steelers. The Texans only gave up a combined average of 89 yards on the ground through the first three quarters. But in the fourth quarter alone, they, they gave up an average of 110 rushing yards, which is the biggest difference. Wow. Now, yeah, I believe the reason for the Texans having having such a collapse in the fourth quarter stems from the offense, because through the first four games of the regular season, our offense kept going three and out, three and out, three and out. If you have a defense and they are continuously on the field, eventually they're going to get tired. And not only are they going to get tired at this point, you're down in the game. It's the fourth quarter. What are What's the opposing team going to do to make sure that they secure a victory? They're going to run the football a lot in the fourth quarter Absolutely. to run the clock out. That is the main reason why the Texans have looked so bad against the run. And to kind of prove my point a little bit further, the Texans' defensive line has looked good throughout the season. As you mentioned, they they mm-hmm. they have looked really good in the sack numbers. I mean, yes. through the first five games of the season, they have already recorded 14 sacks, which I think they are seventh or eighth in the league in sacks. Okay. So th- that proves right there that this defensive line is good, this defensive line is talented. But in order for them to continue to look good at stopping to run like they did in those first three quarters against the Ravens and the Steelers, The offense has to make sure that they give them some kind of rest. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of, I mean, the game, it's all about complementary football at the end of the day, each side of the ball, all three phases helping each other. It's something that the Titans seem to understand and having a defensive coach like Romeo Cornell, I have a feeling will help you put more of an emphasis on uh, all three phases. So I expect a much better game than maybe some people are expecting. I, I agree with a lot of your assessment of the Texans. They are not as bad as their record shows and they're certainly nowhere near as bad as a team like Jacksonville. So it should still be a pretty good game. And we're going to continue talking about this matchup between division rivals on Sunday, the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans in the second part of our crossover Thursday conversation between me, Tyler Rowland of the Locked On Titans and Cody Davis from Locked On Texans. And I'm going to jump in the hot seat and let Cody throw me some
1: questions in the next part. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money that you can use for other important things like mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? For example, the Delphi FG1456 fuel pump assembly for a 2005 through 2010 Honda Odyssey costs 353 Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen,
2: to Locked Over Crossover here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Cody Davis, Tyler Rowland. Tyler, man, after the victory over the Buffalo Bills on Tuesday, the Tennessee Titans are 4-0 this season. How much are you a believer in the Titans' 4-0 start? And do you think that this team has enough to come out of the AFC conference and reach the Super Bowl come February?
0: Uh, I I I guess to st- answer your question backwards, I do believe – that the Titans do have the ability to come out of the AFC and win a Super Bowl, and there's a couple different reasons for that. I think what we're seeing from the Titans right now, and this kind of will lead me into the answer to your first question, what we're seeing from the Titans right now is a fantastic offense that can put points up throughout the game, every game. It's still unbelievable to say as a person who's been a fan of the team and followed the team for over 20 years to talk about the Titans' explosive offense, but it's clearly not a fluke. What happened last season with the offense? Titans have a great offensive coordinator and head coaching candidate and Arthur Smith. Uh, They have good weapons on offense, which I'm sure we will get to uh, later on in this conversation. But uh, I think when you combine a high-powered offense with a defense for the Titans – that may not be a great defense, a dominant defense, a top 10 defense, but a defense that's obviously on a pretty good hot streak with turnovers right now. So I think history is proven if you get a fantastic offense and then you have a defense that can get hot with turnovers then you can have a formula to get out of your conference and win a Super Bowl. And it's not just that for the Titans. I think also it being a COVID-impacted season, I think it benefits the Titans. And I'm not going to make the joke about antibodies and they got it early so they'll be good later. No, that's not what I mean. I mean that Mike Vrabel and the Titans organization, I know that this is uh, one of those where your listeners are probably going to look at me a little sideways like you about your uh, comments on the rushing defense. Although that the sentiment may be from other fan bases around the league that the Titans aren't a buttoned-up franchise and they messed up and blah, 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 blah. I just don't believe that to be the case. And I think the NFL is going to – You know, come out with very limited punishment, if any at all, and their comments recently, especially from Commissioner Roger Goodell, indicate that we shouldn't expect any kind of severe punishment like what was reported. I think the Titans, especially from a football standpoint, when you're talking about being prepared for a game, having the right game plan, a logical game plan, putting your players in the right position, all those things, being motivated, being studied up, I think the Titans are one of the best run organizations in the NFL for those kind of things, and I think Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the NFL in terms of game preparation, getting his guys ready to play. The Titans will come out and it won't always look pretty, but they're always ready to play. So because of that advantage, I think the Titans have with their coaching and with their organizational standard for the kind of guy and the kind of players that they have, uh, combined with on the field the Titans explosive offense and that turnover friendly defense that doesn't have to be great if they get turnovers if they bend but don't break I think those things combined make me very encouraged by the 4-0 start thinking that it is sustainable I do believe in the Titans and thinking that they do have a very real chance to come out of the AFC as the Super Bowl uh, recipient of uh, the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC
2: you know I hate to say this because you guys are in our division. But I, I I think so. I think you guys are the second best team, not only in the AFC, but in the league, only behind Kansas City. You, yeah, you I guys mean, we still got to take really down good.
0: Pat Mahomes if we even get a chance to get there. It's a long season. A lot of things can go wrong. But uh, I think they have the ability and, and the setup to be able to take advantage of it.
2: You know, when you talk about the Titans, of course, everyone has their eyes set and their minds rocked around Derrick Henry. And I believe you. that's the guy that you was hitting at in your original statement and it's easy to understand why because you know you're talking about arguably if not the best running back in the game today however you guys have an, another offensive weapon that I do want to point out and he's on pace to having a career season I'm talking about Jonu Smith um, can you talk about the improvements he has made to his game this year and what makes him such a such a tough coverage for opponents
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that that's a good assessment of what he's done this year. He's definitely made improvements. And uh, I think the biggest reason for that is this is Jonu Smith's fourth season in the NFL. And this was the first off season that he has had that he was healthy. And I know that this next comment could also maybe get some jokes from the Texans side of the audience, but Ryan Tannehill and Jonu Smith, worked out together in South Florida during the pandemic in March and April. They worked out together. It wasn't an illegal workout, but they were working out together uh, in South Florida. So I think the chemistry with Ryan Tannehill, also having Ryan Tannehill as opposed to Mariota, I think that makes a, a big difference. But Jonu Smith having a healthy offseason for the first time in his NFL career just allowed him to work on his route running a little bit more, work on his blocking as well. He really needed to improve as a blocker, and he still has you know some, some room to grow there, but a lot better this season in that Titans wide zone run attack. But uh, mostly, I think a lot of it has to do with his skill set as a player and the scheme of the offense more than him becoming a lot better at this or that uh the Titans obviously use play action really heavily and John U. Smith can get the ball over the middle in space because someone's taking the top off or, or doing a vertical route or a deep cross or holding the safeties. And then the linebackers are coming up on the play action fake. I mean, that's just the, the obvious goal of play action. Well, when you get the ball to somebody like John U. Smith over the middle, he's not a normal tight end, like, like a Fells or an Aiken who are big bodied guys. He's not even like a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle. He's not that level where he's just a freak athlete and a monster out on the field. But John U. Smith is built almost like a big running back. He's almost like a, a, a mini version of Derrick Henry that plays tight end. The Titans even use John U. Smith in the run game at times, running pitch sweeps to him from the running back position. So John U. Smith has a running back skill set at the tight end position. And when you combine that with the space that he gets over the middle because of the scheme that he's in right now, and then he gets the ball in his hands with a, a lot of room, to get that running back skill set into action. I think it's just a perfect fit of skill set and scheme and then a healthy offseason for New Smith that allows him to just produce more than we have seen from him in his career so far. But I think a lot of it is just being healthy and being in the right system, and, and that's how you end up with 18 catches, five touchdowns, and 221 yards in uh, four games.
2: You know, for the first time since his departure last year, the Texans will enter a game playing against their former number one pick, <laughs> Davion Clowney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through the first, well, I guess it would be four games for you guys, but through the yes. first four games of the season, how much of an impact has Clowney made to the Texans defensive line this season? Because what I saw on Tuesday, although the stat does not show it, Clowney has made a positive impact on the Texans defense, you know, just based off the way you, how many times you guys were able to pressure Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, so Clowney is one of those guys, and I'm sure the Texans audience is going to be like, well, duh, we know this. But he's one of those guys who doesn't really pack the the stat sheet. He, he doesn't really blow up the box score all the time, but it's his impact and his pressure that – makes everybody else play well. Like For the Titans, outside linebacker Harold Landry and defensive lineman Jeffrey Simmons, who didn't get to play, Jeffrey Simmons didn't get to play against the Bills because he's on the COVID list, but Harold Landry has played all four games, and Landry has been absolutely fantastic, and Jeffrey Simmons has been even better, the best player on the, t- on the Titans, quite frankly, at the beginning of the season, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much attention is going to Clowney, and I swear if there was a statistic for being one step away from getting a sack, Clowney would be the all-time leader. Like (laughs) It's unbelievable how close this guy gets, but just cannot get home. But a lot of the attention that he gets and a lot of the playmaking things that he does, the the gap shooting, the improvisation across the defensive line, lining up in multiple different places, blitzing through the A-gap, blitzing off the edge, lining up as a four, three linebacker off the ball, things like that. Just being a movable chess piece for the Titans defense that requires offenses to constantly know where he's at. It benefits everybody else who, who is put everyone else who does put up the stats for the Titans. So although Clowney doesn't put up all the stats in the world and everyone's going to point to the sack numbers and everything like that, you look at pressures, you look at quarterback hits, you look at the analytics of pass rushing, uh, Clowney is a fantastic player, and he's doing exactly what the Tennessee Titans need him to do. Hope, of course, that the the sacks do start to roll in, but at the end of the day, it's about being a disruptor on defense, and the Titans got the disruptor that they signed up for.
2: Speaking of being a step away from a sack, I think on Tuesday I counted at least three or four times where he could have gotten a sack and absolutely is a big takeaway
0: yeah yeah you do at some point start to feel bad because you know he wants he wants the sack too if you ever played football you want your team to win but you want to be a big reason of why they won and he wants those numbers for his contract and for his future and just to help his team so yeah it's it's one of the more frustrating things but anybody who's ever tuned in or been a part of the genevian clowny experience probably knows exactly how that feels
2: um 6 weeks into the regular season, what do you believe is the most vulnerable part of the Texans' game where you say to yourself if the Texans can't exploit this, they may come away victorious in the, in the, in this game.
0: Well, they have to find a way to get the Titans in man coverage and identify that early. And I also think that This is going to be tough to do. I I really don't have a good answer, and that's why the Titans have scored about 106 points in the last three games uh, and have scored, I think it's 30-plus points in eight of the last 11 games. I think a big reason for that is because it's very difficult to stop the play-action pass, even if you stop the run. You can say that you're going to stop Derrick Henry. He only ran for 50 yards against the Bills, and the Titans put up 42 points. So just the threat of Derrick Henry alone, allows the Titans to get going and play action. But I think the key for the Texans on the defensive side of the ball, if the Texans can get the Titans in – 2nd and long, 3rd and long situations where they can't even use the play action and they gotta line up and shotgun and run traditional pass plays. I think you can get the Titans in a bad spot on offense and you gotta get up on the Titans so that they can't just go with Derrick Henry over and over in the second half. And then for the Texans offense, you have to find a way to get the Titans defense and man coverage and then use pre-snap motion and at-snap motion to identify that man coverage. Make it easy for Deshaun Watson. That way he can pick his Matchup against a banged up set of corners for the Titans. You're going to have Jonathan Joseph out there, which Texans fans know very well. He's a he's a smart, savvy veteran corner who can help you in zone coverage, playing downhill. But you get him in man coverage, and you're going to see what you saw against the Vikings, where rookie Justin Jefferson went for 175 yards. So you, the Titans cannot play a ton of man coverage. They have to do it situationally so that they don't you know play zone over and over and over again and leave themselves vulnerable to being able to identify the patterns there. But I, I think if the Texans can find a way to get in situations to get the Titans in demand coverage, which will mean that Deshaun Watson attacks the zone early. If Deshaun Watson can pick apart the Titans zone early, Uh, then the Titans may be scared and kind of have to go into man and not let Deshaun just pick them apart. And then once you get them in man, you can run pre-snap motion at snap motion, identify a matchup and then target either Titans seventh round rookie uh, slot cornerback, Chris Jackson, who I'm hoping plays less, with the return of Christian Fulton from the COVID-19 list. Uh, and then Jonathan Joseph, the former Texan, who may be the slowest starting cornerback in the league because the Titans are without regular starting cornerback, Dory Jackson, who is quite literally the opposite in the speed department, one of the fastest corners in the league. So if the Texans can get the Titans in the man coverage, uh, they can pick apart their their better matchups. And then on defense. If they can get the Titans in third and long situations and force them to play normal, spread it out, shotgun football, then they they could have a chance to get a victory over the Titans.
2: Last question before getting out of here. Um, prediction time. Who do you think is going to come away victorious in this game against the Texans and Titans on Sunday?
0: Well, I, I think that just being uh, not even uh, someone who covers the Titans and has been a fan, I think that uh, the Titans – should be big favorites in this game. The Titans should find a way to win this game. If they're going to be the type of team that we talked about uh, at the beginning of the segment. So for me, I think that the Titans, uh, although the Texans keep it close, I think it's going to be a good game. I think again, the Titans offense is just a little bit too much for the Texans defense and the Titans end up winning the game 33 to 23.
2: I think the Houston Texans are going to come away victorious in this game. Um, you know, there's still talent on this team, but more than anything, I think they're still riding high off the emotions of, you know, getting rid of Bill mm-hmm. O'Brien and, you know, just being driven of turning their season around. And I have this game circle as a do or die moment for the Houston Texans because I agree. I do believe that there is still a slimmer of hope for them to salvage their season and to, you know, get back into playoff contention. But at the same time, they're going to have to find a way to start beating good teams and, you if they go into Tennessee and if they could pull off a victory, I think that is going to be the moment where we're going to see the Texans that we expected coming into this season as a playoff team, as a good team, a really good team in the AFC Conference. However, if they go into this game and they lose, I think it's going to put their psyche back into a losing mentality. It's going to drop the spirit of this team. And then I think that from that standpoint, you might as well say, Let's just play all our young guys and use this as a raised shirt year. So because the Texans in the press conference and stuff and from everything I've seen, they seem so motivated to turn their season around from an on for a start. I have the Houston Texans coming away. victorious, 27-24.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with your analysis on on their mindset at this time. You're one in five. Yeah, you are done. But two and four, just like we saw the Titans, you you can make it back. And the Titans are riding high off a big win on prime time, smelling their own salt right now. It is a really good opportunity for a Texans team with their back against the wall, who's basically playing playoff football at this point early in the season, for them to come in and catch the Titans sleeping off of a game where the Titans are going to be sore. The Titans didn't get to practice. For two weeks, so their bodies are going to be in a state of shock, essentially, and then turn around and have a basically a Thursday night football window. I'm not complaining, just the realities of the human body there. So I do think that the Texans do have a chance – to, uh, to kind of come in here and and get one and, and recharge their season a little bit while the Titans might be lax. So it will be a great game. I know my score was a 10-point game, but I just think that if the Titans win, it's a three-point game. They get the ball at the end, and Derrick Henry gets the cap-off touchdown. I think it'll be a close game throughout. And the Texans aren't going to lie down. And I think the Titans who played the best game possible, I think they could come out and make a few mistakes. So it should be an entertaining one to watch for both of us. Cody, thank you for so much for for having this conversation on a crossover Thursday. Can't wait to talk to you later in the season.
2: But as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And as always, please remember to follow Locked On Texans on all your favorite podcast streaming services. And be sure to follow Locked On Texans at Locked On Texans on Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully I will be in the studio back with my boy John on tomorrow. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.